Ross, how's it going, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing. I'm actually doing fantastic. Guess who's sponsoring the show? Who? Chrono Twenty Four, baby. What? The Chrono Twenty Four. The Chrono Twenty Four. I told oh, you I wow. bought my watch, my Omega Speedmaster, to them. Is this like two years, two and a half years ago? Amazing. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, well, the buyer protection. You know, you get to have your watch collection right there virtually, uh, and not only that, it actually tells you what they're trending for, what they're selling for. Now, this really cool thing called the the watch scanner, where you actually put it on your wrist as a piece of paper, you print it out, and uh, you can virtually try on any watch. And of course, they have a virtual showroom. Mm, wow, that's incredible! But don't they also have screened and approved dealers? Yeah, they do. Global, mm-hmm. worldwide shipping, customer yeah, support, twenty four seven, available in twenty two languages. New, used, pre owned, and vintage watches. Yep, and on, the man. plethora of watches they carry is incredible. Rolex, Omega, Patek, Cartier. I mean, you name it, man. All the big brands are there. Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend it because I've used them. Absolutely. And if you looking for a watch, hit the link in the description. Guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast. My name is Miguel. With me as always, P. Ross. P, how's it going, buddy? Yo, it's going, man. It's going, and we are in the building once again. Yeah, we oh, we got a special one for you guys, so I hope you guys are ready. Um, P. Ross, do the official intro. All right. Right now, we got a legend, okay? Mm-hmm. We, have, we have somebody of the watch community of a certain stature. You know, he up here with his. You understand what I'm saying? A legend, legend, legend. We have Adrian from Barking Jack in the building. What's up? What's up, Dude, I love that energy, P. Russ. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for having me on. It's a a pleasure to be here. Uh, No, the pleasure is all. It's ours, Adrian. Thank you so much for accepting to to come on. you, I mean, I, we we have been following your journey for years now, and it's such an honor to be able to collaborate with you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for watching. So you're you're coming us you coming uh, from uh, Scotland, correct? Yes, and it's actually um, I've got a t-shirt on. I've got sunburn. This is, it's been sunny over here. I mean, probably not to to your level of sun <laughs> in California, yeah. but um, but yeah, man, it's it's, it's quite nice at the moment. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I followed your uh, your journey, your transition. You know, it seems like you're happier there. I mean, it's probably just like California, right? It's, it's be, living in London. I'm assuming it's like super expensive, and you get like this little micro space where you live. And moving maybe to the country, you you're able to actually get a bigger house for probably less money, right? And living yeah, in country life and some of the scenery, man, that you've been filming, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. No. It. it. It's 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 great being up here because it's uh, I kind of grew up in the country um, and uh, so it's quite nice to have the outdoor space. But also the the, the transition was quite big as well, kind of um, job wise, because I 
probably left my day job and that was kind of in line with moving. One of the deals was with my wife that we went full-time at Bark and Jack. If we could move somewhere that was a bit more affordable just in case yeah. everything died and I could sell the watch collection. We could live up in Scotland for at least half a year <laughs> on the watch collection. Uh, whereas in London, yeah, it's, it's just crazy expensive. And now you're back. Your, your wife also is back home, right? I hear she's she's originally from Scotland, or yeah. Well, she she was born in in Hong Kong, but she moved to Scotland when um, oh, okay. Uh, she was, I think, six months old. Uh, so yeah, oh, she's okay. <laughs> uh, they, they they kind of grew up here, but That's there's cool. there's, a, there's a, a a weirdly large um, Chinese community in Glasgow. Oh. <laughs> Out of the whole UK, it goes London, then Glasgow for the size of Chinese community. It's like, why do you come to Glasgow? <laughs> it's just cold and wet up here. It's like, there's so many nicer wow. places, but That's there must have been some sort of connection. What yeah, are the, some of the, the differences culturally between Scotland and London and England? <sighs> That's a good question. I think um, I think the Scottish people are more friendly um they're they're more chilled out. i'm generalizing massively but I, I, it's funny because a, a lot of people um they look at scotland or you'll, you'll travel to scotland and you'll just see white people everywhere there, there isn't multicultural stuff going on here and people are like oh they, they, they must be racist I'm like no man this they're, they're not these guys they don't give a shit who you are so do you guys mind swearing i won't swear scottish people don't give a shit who you are that it's just that it's cold and wet up here so not many people if you migrate to um to the uk you don't choose the cold wet place uh, but now everyone up here is just so chilled out um and it's uh, it, it's really quite appealing to have that uh i don't know just be around people just don't really care what your business is everyone's just chilled out everyone's very friendly um, super cool yeah it's kind of it's kind of nice i wish i could say the same for uh california <laughs> <It's still weird. laughs> so here, in the, here in the u.s man I'm, i mean as you know and, and it depends what state you're in but it's a melting pot we have all kinds of cultures here yet you hear the news you guys watch the news racism is is crazy out there you know which it doesn't make any yeah. sense because there's so many cultures here and i could only speak for myself because i'm in california p ross is not but right here mainly is hispanic so yes yeah, a lot of white people free african-americans and you know uh obviously mexico's our our border right here so hispanic is kind of prominent over here what about you p ross who's is it just a mixture of it's it's a mixture of everything here in cincinnati um majority white uh then african-american or black however you want to say it uh few hispanic people too but it, it's majority white people here so. my geography is not very good where, where, where's cincinnati ohio. In cincinnati ohio ohio oh right okay cool cool yeah yeah nice. so we're we're uh obviously we call it the socal watch reviews podcast because i started it just by myself, I, I I figured I was gonna have a podcast by myself, but it got to be very difficult because you need to collaborate with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I had P. Ross episode three, episode four, three and we hit it off. Uh, you know, we're like, hey, your energy's great, and we kind of mesh together really good. And you have a YouTube channel that's just starting, and me too. Let's help each other out. And almost eighty episodes in, and and we've had some amazing guests and amazing, you know. Uh, collaborations and it's been fun man so that's awesome it's but, cool when things uh, come together like that and and the coolest thing is when it comes together organically right because when it's yeah. forced you could kind of tell but when it's organic it, i think it kind of works out best especially with social media 
Uh, I know a lot of people wanting to start channels and whatnot. They buy subscribers, they buy views. And in my opinion, that's not the way to do it because it's always no. going to come back and bite you in the ass, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. But before we move forward, I mean, I, I see I kind of spot what's on your wrist, your your baby, your your Seamaster. But let's do uh, some wrist check, Adrian. What are you wearing? Yeah, so I've, I've got my, my White Dial Seamaster. It's it, it it's a weird watch because it just stops me wearing everything else. It's just a, an, an easy watch to wear. I would wear it all the time. It's, it must be quite I don't know. Yeah, love it. What have you got on? Barking Jack, Barking Jack strap. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> That's only. awesome, buddy. Uh, P. Rose, what are you rocking? Uh, Omega Seamaster Deville. Oh, sick. 60s. What year is that? Nineteen sixty-five. Oh, cool, yeah. man. So I got my Omega Speedmaster uh, Reverse Panda. This is a 1990s, uh, Adrian. So this is a JDM model, uh, reference number 3511. It only was released in Japan. And it gets oh, cool. a lot of hate from people, right? Because it's like, it's not the professional. It didn't go to the moon. And I'm like, I don't care. And nobody's asking. <laughs> and it fits me better because it's it's uh, 38, 39 millimeters. And it's automatic. And it has uh, tritium. I mean, yeah, it, it has uh, the the patina on the on the on the loom because of of the tritium. So I I just absolutely love it. So and it's on an Uncle Seiko uh, flat link bracelet. He only made these for for these watches, the automatics, because it's an eighteen millimeter uh, lug width. So it's really interesting, and I I love it. I mean, Omega makes some amazing products. And Actually, he, he's doing some great bracelets at the moment. That, that oh man, yeah, did. Uncle Seiko, he's killing yeah. it. Uncle Seiko's been been killing it. Awesome guy. He's he's such a humble guy. He's here in California, actually, in San Diego. He's my neighbor. Oh right. So yeah, I collaborated with him. He sent me some some bracelets for 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 this guy, and pretty well constructed. I mean, it's not a lot of people doing things like this. So yeah, super cool. And I just noticed something. We're all wearing Omega. What's up with that? <laughs> That's interesting. Omega fanboys. <laughs> Omega. Hey. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wish I could be a Rolex fanboy, but we can't even get it, right? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adrian, I've obviously been following your journey for a while, and uh, I, you were on the Standard Age podcast. Amazing episode. That guy does amazing work. Um, and you went into your story. If you haven't, everybody listening, watching, if you haven't uh, seen that or heard that episode, I highly recommend it. Standard Age podcast. Look it up. Uh, Adrian was on there. You got you were very candid and very open about your life and about your dad and your family. And I I, I found it very refreshing because I was like, oh, now I'm getting to to know a side of Adrian that he doesn't really talk about, you know, publicly. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, and one of the interesting things you mentioned on there was how you got into watches, and it had to do with your with your dad. But I wanted to see if you could kind of let us know in a condensed version uh, a little bit about your 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 origin story and how you came to be. So everybody kind of gets to know you a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one to kind of um, go to. I, watches have always played a part in my life. It, they've always been a thing that I've been interested in. Um, uh, I remember playing with my dad's uh, chronographs. He, he was a fighter pilot. And so it'd always be issued chronographs as uh, Seiko, Timex. Uh, and I'd always play around with them and it kind of just became a bit of, fixated with them but we collected watch straps rather than watches uh, so i remember having like a wait what yeah <laughs> <laughs> well because yeah it sounds a bit weird doesn't it uh, but i think it was a timex iron man that that we used to have mm. kind of you can buy little bumpers to kind of go around them to yeah. kind of protect them and yeah. stuff and i'd get animal uh, i don't know if you guys had them in america but these like velcro animal yeah watch yeah. straps and so mm -hmm. it's 
we'd have like a whole load of those. You could just they're kind of like nate old nato straps that's cool yeah um and so that, that kind of just became a, a collector thing for us uh and it, it kind of just grew from there but i didn't realize watches were a thing until um my sister-in-law worked at gucci and she asked uh she could get a massive discount and stuff like crazy discounts like 90 percent off stuff and she said do i want a watch she was buying her boyfriend a watch and so i thought yeah i'll, I'll get a thousand pound chronograph or 100 quid that's, that sounds pretty cool I yeah. got it. I'm not a Gucci kind of guy, but um, I don't mind a, a deal like that. Yeah. And I got this watch, and it was the first mechanical watch I had. Up until then, I'd always had just like uh, Citizen uh, Eco Drive. That that was kind of like my my go to. And this was the first watch it had sapphire crystal. It had a a, a mechanical uh, chronograph movement inside. It had a nice leather strap. And I kind of realized that actually, maybe luxury watches weren't just a price tag and there was actually something with it i mean us in the watch community wouldn't see that as a luxury watch but for me sapphire crystal isn't something that you really get on citizens right. nor is mechanical movements and, and a calf leather strap and so it really opened my eyes up to like the luxury side of watches and i started to do a bit of research and found out that the movement inside uh this gucci watch was um similar to ETA, i think it was something like a, a Salita. And so I then just kind of got stuck into the forums and just started delving. I was working at Apple at the time and I was, I was making some good money on Apple shares because they were just going crazy. So I thought, well, let's let's see what I can get. So I sold all my watches, um, cashed out all my Apple shares and uh, ended up buying my first Rolex. Mm. Uh, I didn't want a Rolex at, at this time. I, I hated Rolex because I, I thought it was just, just poser stuff. It's just a fashion brand that charges a lot of money. But for some reason, the more I tried to ignore it, the more my kind of searching just kept ending up going to Rolex. And so I, I got a, an Explorer, which was my first watch. Um, Is that Explorer then, uh, 2? Yeah, Polidar. Okay. It was from the year 2000. It, it was it ended up being what some people refer to as, as a rare one. It had a Swiss-only dial, which I, I think when people say this model is a rare version, I, I think it's there's always like you have to take that with a pinch of salt <laughs> with rolex everyone's trying to like figure out a way how their particular rolex can be special because it's got this slight change in the dial or slight change in whatever there's these things are mass producers there's thousands of these things out there so they're not that rare <laughs> man that that watch was now is probably worth a lot more more money right if you would oh shit I, I i got money off that the the dealer had it listed for <laughs> 3200 um i dropped him an email and just said uh, i'll pick it up today for 2600 he just replied saying yeah sure what? no way what? you got <laughs> oh crap you can't do that i anymore. sold it no exactly i sold it two years later for uh 2800 i thought cool i made 200 quid profit on that that's, that's pretty decent i bought my next watch now these things go for like seven grand mm. <laughs> so that was that's i mean we, we are going back like six six years or so but uh that's yeah insane. Well, that's insane that's a kicker let me, let me stop you there do you think that watch because you owned it do you think that watch is worth seven thousand dollars would you pay seven thousand dollars? oh no 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 no. That's, that's that's why i refuse to buy one now because it's that there is no way that watch or well, the, the, the this is one of the tricky things is is worth we, we will have different perceptions of what worth is i mean if you look at a, a paul newman daytona are they worth that much money you have to want that style of watch enough to justify spending 
it's it's not a technically good watch compared to watches yeah. now. It's also mm. not a normal size of watch compared to what we have now. Um, and that's exactly the same with the Explorer too. Is that the, the the movement inside? It's all old technology. A very light watch. It's not um, a hard wearing watch compared to what you can get now. And so, I want the new Explorer too. I, I actually want it more than the the old version. But certainly, when it comes down to money, it's a no brainer. Seven grand for an old technology watch, or six and a half grand for a brand new technology watch. Uh, it's yeah, it is. It makes no sense, and uh, I think that's kind of just sums up vintage Rolex now for a lot of people. Is it, it looks good from afar, nice for Instagram, but does it make any logical sense for me? I, I don't think it does. Yeah, no, you're wow. absolutely right. Yeah, I'm, one of my one of my girls is like a 1980s, you know, birth year Rolex Mariner. But the prices just keep climbing up, and I'm like, man, yeah. that's too expensive for what it is. Because how much right, is that watch going for now? I don't know, but seven, eight, nine thousand, which is really? crazy. Because I mean, I'm pretty sure if you mm. pick it up, is is probably feels cheap, right? I mean, because yeah. it's from the '80s, so it's not gonna feel like a like a Rolex. What a Rolex would feel like, it'll it'll mm. it'll uh, come out awesome in, in in pictures and video, I'm sure. But once you wear it, it's like. Yeah, I didn't really want to be wearing this. <laughs> you know, so I don't know, man. But so that's cool. So you got into yeah. watches because you're because your dad and, and playing around modding at an early age. So that's pretty cool. That's very fitting with you. Switching up the straps. Selling straps now and everything. Yeah. It kind of ties back <laughs> yeah. to that. That's pretty cool. I, I could just see your your kids in the future being really into watches because I mean that's what they're Oh, they're obsessed with what my eldest has I think four watches now. No um, yeah, they, they they really get it, and they, uh, I mean, they mock me. They've all got, they've both got little cameras, and they can flip the camera up, and uh, the little one will just go off into the corner. He'll just start making mock Bark and Jack videos. He'll just take the piss so, out of me. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 be careful, Adrian. They're gonna, they're gonna come in hot and, and get 200 subscribers, 200,000 subscribers like that. Yeah. Like, how'd you, uh, how'd you do that? Can you teach me how to do it? <laughs> wow. Speaking of. Speaking of kids, we know that uh, family plays a big role in your life. How do you balance work life, family life? And furthermore, how supportive is your family on your journey? Oh, man. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the whole balancing thing. I think the challenge is, is that I, although I have a job, I don't see it as a job. When, when we kind of, I mean, there might be a cultural difference between between us, um, but the kind of perception of having a job is something that you just like, you go away to do something, you get paid for it so you can pay your bills. That's what my kind of upbringing has been, despite the fact my parents are in the military, so it's it slightly different. But I was putting up previously with a day job that I hated, uh, but it allowed me to pay the bills. And so it's kind of like that toss-up of my job yeah. is to go out to get money, and to support the family. So now I don't see it as a job. It's I, I, I make videos and take photographs of watches and I sell watch straps. None of that for me is tiring. None of that for me is is laborious. So it, it doesn't really feel like I have a job. I've just got a hobby that, that pays money. That's so cool. it's really tricky for me to separate time from um, working and family time. Uh, it's it, it's really tricky and and it's it, it causes issues because I enjoy obviously enjoy spending time with my family but I enjoy my work so much that I'm very happy to just do it. I can get into this routine of and also to get to the position of having 
uh, a living off YouTube, you have to hustle so hard to get to that point. So to, to get to being full time, I'd go do my day job. Uh, whilst I was doing my day job, luckily my boss was part time. She only worked three days a week. And so Monday and Fridays, she wasn't in the office. I managed to get myself a desk in the corner of the, the bigger office. Uh, and so I'd just be prepping for videos on Monday and Friday. And I'd go home, get home from work at about seven o'clock, have dinner with the family. And then I'd start working about half seven, eight o'clock until about 12 at night. And that, that would be my day. And I'd just do that religiously. And it gets to the weekend and I'd make more videos. Um, and so you kind of get into this work cycle of just grinding um, and it's hard to break that. And it's, it's not good for the family for that not to be broken. So I'm still trying yeah. to figure that out. And it's, it, it is tricky. With regards to support, my wife, um, she, she runs the, the kind of retail side of Bark and Jack. She, she does all the orders. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's a good unit. And I, I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. And it's, it's a lot easier working with your wife than trying to find, yeah. say, a business partner that you can trust. Um, but it's also a challenge as well because it means that we we often talk about business. <laughs> so let's 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 find it. something else to talk about, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it, it it can be a real challenge. But in all honesty, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I'm very happy with with the unit that we have right now. Um, we are maxed out though. It, it, we are going to have to hire. Uh, a, a team within the next six months to, mm. to help us get to the next stage. Cause we are, um, I, I try not to promote my own products on Instagram. Cause every time I do, we get an influx of orders and then she shouts at me cause she, she can't handle the workload. Oh no, exactly. We're, we're in an awesome position, but it's, it's now at the point of, right. Do we kind of just plod along like we are and, and we're happy and, and content or do we, push forward to the next level and, and I'm, I'm keen to push forward to the next level. So that's, that's essentially what's going to happen. But with, to answer your question, sorry, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you balance work, work and life. It's, uh, it's tricky. So I guess uh, paint a picture for us. How many hours a week, do, including the weekend, do you work? If you combine everything from the videos to running the, the website to shipping the product, um, how many hours would you say you're putting in just to let people know how hard you work? Oh man. Um, well, let's say I sleep seven hours a night or seven times seven, 49. So 49 hours. I'm not working. Um, I try not to work Sunday, Sunday. Well, I try and keep Sunday as the family day. Um, pretty much apart from that, I'm, I'm working. I try not to work around dinner time. But it's hard not to eat dinner and then just come straight upstairs and, and carry on working. Uh, and that's another chance. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think it's a continuous thing. I, th there's always DMs to, to answer. There's always emails that need answering. Um, orders come in 24 hours a day. Uh, but but it, I, I can't complain because I, I love literally my hobby has become my job. And so it's anyone who has a hobby that, that they're passionate about it, the, the idea of getting paid to do that is it's sick. It, it's absolutely insane. I love it. So, how, <laughs> it's very how, so as a father, right? The father, you're, you're the head of your household. How satisfying is it knowing that 
you took this huge risk, right? Going from, from London to, to Scotland. And you said, Hey, let's just figure it out. Let's just see. I mean, you literally went there and said, I guess all off my collection. We could live off of it if this doesn't work. So how satisfying is it to know that you're, you've grown so much that you, you just can't keep up and now you need to hire. I mean, I would imagine that's a huge satisfaction for you. Thanks for recognizing that, man. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, it feels amazing, especially as someone who, who really struggled at school. I'm, I'm dyslexic, and, and so school was terrible for me, and it, it really hit my confidence because now people understand dyslexia, and it's kind of an, an openly spoken about thing. But when I was going through school, it, it was never recognized as dyslexia. It was just seen as he's just slow and stupid. Let's put him in the slow and stupid group. Yeah. Uh, and so it was never really identified. My careers advisor told me that I should become an apprentice at a metalwork factory and a stamp, like, I don't know, no number plates for cars mm. and things. And that just, that blew my mind because I, I knew my brain was more powerful than that. It just, I wasn't able to figure out how I could output it or how I could translate what was going on in my head to, to other things. Um, and so it, it took a long time to get out of that shell of, it took me four or five attempts. I've forgotten how many, four or five attempts to get my English GCC. I, I don't know what the equivalent is in, in the US, but like the high school grade, I, I didn't pass English. It took me four mm. times to get it. And so I was kind of conditioned into that mindset of you're not good enough to do the normal stuff. You go do the, the crap, you know? So it, it feels awesome to be in a position where I have built this and this is su supporting the family. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of pride in that. And it's interesting because uh, a lot of people, if, if you see someone with like a solid gold Rolex or, or they're driving around and being a dick in, I don't know, a Lamborghini or something, and they, they, they have a, a lot of arrogance, I would package that as, oh, you're just a bit of, you're just a dick. But now I kind of have this mindset of F you, like not you, but like society yeah. and and the educational system. I kind of want to say, fuck you. I didn't do what you told me. I didn't fit into the box that you told me I should fit into. I've broken out of that and done something that society. And I still succeed. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't fit your mold. Right. I, my brain isn't the brain that you want to go through your education system, but I've made it work. And so now right. there's certainly a level of, fuck you, I've done this, and you didn't help me do it. Um, right. So I, I kind of I kind of now see people who are overtly showing off their wealth. I mean, everyone has different motivations, but I kind of see it as, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see you wanting to share to show society that you've made something of yourself. Not not saying that wealth is always the answer, but it's it's kind of that that um, globally, universally recognized feeling of success is 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 wealth. And there's uh, one of my big motivations for leaving my day job was um, time with the family. And my kind of measure of success from that was having time to do my own thing. I hated the fact that I'd get on the tube, the underground, the subway, and I'd spend two, three hours a day stuck in this metal tube, this hot. We don't have air conditioning in us in our subways. And so it's, it was just oh. sweaty, horrible. Mm. And it's just, it's not nice. And it's like, what am I doing in my life? And so I, I the first sign of success for me was taking control of that time and, and doing something that I wanted to do. I can't remember what the original question was, but I, I hope that answered it. <laughs> oh, that was inspiring, man, for sure. No, no, Very honestly, inspiring. we 
well i could only speak for myself but you you i look up to you a lot man um not just from thanks the, a lot from the video perspective right this whole youtube thing but also from uh from a business perspective because i'm in the same mindset right i feel like i'm trapped in this in this rat race where it's like i have a corporate job and i do this but i really want to own my own business at some point um i don't know what and you're right you know people do put you down and maybe you don't do so great in school and you feel well if i can't do great in school what makes me feel that i could become a ceo of a company if i'm stupid but well who's telling you you're stupid maybe you're just creative and you need to find your outlet that you could be really good at just like you i mean Mm -hmm. you found a niche that that really works and people look up to you, man. I mean, you know, we, we, we mentioned just to a few friends that we were going to have you on and everybody was blown away. And it's just crazy to see the reaction that people have. They're like, Adrian, no way. Bark and Jack. And it's like, wow, that's really nice to hear, man. God mm-hmm. figure in the, in the watching. So <laughs> no, I, I know it's probably weird for you. Like what? I'm, I'm just a guy, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but it's not true. I mean, you've created this thing. You have this, this aura about you and the way you explain things in your videos so effortlessly you went to uh england to promote the new tutor right number one amazing work i don't know how you were able to film that b-roll from your hotel room here i am struggling i have all my equipment here and some of the shots (laughs) the glare the dust and i'm like man this is difficult and this guy just makes it look so gracefully in a hotel room like that's awesome and just the way you go (laughs) about your vlog style so you go from your vlog to your b-roll to the change of angles and the way you talk and your audio's on point the whole time i mean it's little things that people don't realize that me as a content creator i go dang i get it like this guy is that took a long time. Like people don't Thanks, appreciate man. that, you know, but, oh man. Yeah. With that said, obviously you've been very successful with Bark and Jack as far as the, the retail side of things on the website, you started with straps and now pouches. And as of late, the latest product coffee, I mean, it's a natural progression just because Bark and Jack, you talk watches and you, you drink coffee, but, uh, <laughs> what, what, I mean, what, what was that turning point for you for the, the, the coffee portion, I guess. How is that going and uh, what's next? Uh, Just to to jump back a second, you you mentioned that that you feel like you're stuck in a rat race and you you want to start a business, but you don't know what. Um, I I was exactly the same as that. And there were a few things that uh, books that I listened to and and read. One of the big turning points for me was listening to Gary V um, do his audio book around Crush It. And... uh, I, I kept, I knew this, this is kind of my second business that I've had. The first one died and, and uh, kind of just fizzled away. And that kind of hit my confidence. And I kept thinking, I need to think of something great. I think I need to think of the next Tesla. Or I need to think of the next uh, iPod. What, what, what's a big thing? And then it was, it was just Gary Vee just talking about, do your passion. If your passion's um, Warhammer or if your passion, I, I don't know, doodling do your passion and the business will will build around it and that is literally all i've done with bark and jack is is i'm passionate about straps i've I've sold straps way before bark and jack uh i'm I'm passionate about coffee i'm passionate about watches i love leather goods and so everything that i've done has been around passion my idea that you mentioned earlier do i have 18 millimeter straps i i do whatever I would personally buy. I'm, I'm never going to get to a position where I'm selling every single size of strap or every color possible. A lot of people email me saying, oh, can you get this this color strap in? I would buy that strap. So I'm just going to do the stuff that, that I sense. want. Um, and so that w- w- when it comes to 
just thinking about business ideas, just just follow your passion, follow your gut, wh whatever you're interested in. And then it becomes so easy to sell because it's like, when, when I talk about more coffee, I'm, I'm not creating a sales pattern. I'm literally telling you what I love about it because I fucking love this coffee. And so when it comes to doing the coffee, I knew logically, it doesn't make sense. He talks about watches on a YouTube channel. He sells watch straps. Why is he selling coffee? There's no logical sense there, but it's just a passion. It's, it's just something that I'm interested in. Um, I've, I've been working on, on wallets with, with a dude in, in London. Uh, wallets make no sense. But I, I love what he's doing. I want to work with him and, and create a product. And it's the same with coffee. Miles um, Fisher, who's co-founder of, of Bixby, he got in contact and we, we, we just hit it off. Uh, initially, I thought we were going to try and figure out some sort of content that we'd create together. And then he was like, we've got a coffee factory. Like, what? <laughs> let's, let's do that, man. That's, that, that'd be sick. And so it's, it's just a bit of fun. It's, it's not commercially, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be a game changer commercially, but it's for me, I, I don't feel every decision has to be commercial and every decision has to yeah. be a money maker. It is uh, money. Money's fun. It allows things to happen, but it's not a driver for me. If, if I wanted to make money, there are a million one things that I can do that, that, that could, I could become a watch dealer and we'd be making millions and millions. Uh, but it's, it's, I, I just want to follow passion and just have fun. And testing and trying out lots of coffee at a thing is that's cool and it's great for b-roll if you want to make a photograph look great just have a couple of coffee beans in the background <laughs> it that's does look true. sick <laughs> that's true so what what was the reception like i mean were, were you let me ask you this. so i love what you said right so it's not so much about the money it's about the passion it's about but you going on your website and being proud of every single item that's there and you don't feel like a sellout right you're like no everything that's on there i would personally wear i would personally drink so were you a little nervous going into this and saying, huh, how are, how are people going to be? Are they going to be receptive? Are they going to make fun of me? Did that go through your mind? Yeah, there's always a level of doubt whenever I do something like that, um, especially as from from someone who doesn't actually know me. Maybe I am pretentious, but I, I don't know. But it, it can look so pretentious, someone trying to launch a coffee thing when connected to youtube and also so many youtubers do it so it's, it's such a default thing to do um so yeah it, it is scary uh but it was also really nice to see how many people got on board with it um and and just supported it and it's it's just a bit of fun and uh there's always going to be people hating what you do there's always going to be people trying to nitpick this is this is the internet the internet is a horrible place but at the same time it's an incredible place that, that it can be hugely supporting and and uh, just a fun place to be uh, and so it's just important to ignore all the all the haters um but no it's it's, it's been great it, I'd, i've loved the support that's come through from the community um it's doing really well i didn't anticipate how much more admin work it would create <laughs> but <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of just ties into to the other point about we're just going to need to hire more people to to help us out with with the admin i'm not an organized guy i'm i'm not good at the admin side of things i'm, I'm very much a creative give me a camera and, and a video to create and and i'm on it but when it comes to organizing, that's why so many of our bloody straps are out of stock because I'm just bad at keeping on top of that sort of stuff. Mm. I saw that. I'm like, I went to your website. I'm like, out of stock, out of stock. Out of stock. I mean, it, from, <laughs> oh, that's from so a embarrassing. 
<laughs> no, but but honestly, you I, I think it kind of helps your cause because it's almost the uh, the what they call it, FOMO, right? Fear of missing right, out. Yeah. So whatever's available, people go, well, I better buy it before it goes out of stock because I don't know when this <laughs> right. guy's going to stock the, the rest of the things. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have. It's a good strategy. But at the same time, if, you, if it is out of stock for a long time, people may get annoyed, you know? So... <laughs> no, exactly. I'm, I'm glad it comes across that way. But no, it's I, it, I find it embarrassing. My, my whole kind of premise was, we're going to do business, but do it right. We're going to have great customer service. Everything's going to be in stock. No one's going to have to wait for anything. Uh, <laughs> no wait list. Uh, I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no wait list. We do have great customer service, but stuff does go out of stock. <laughs> Adrian, oh, wow. hey, P. Ross, Adrian's going to call yeah. people like a year later. Hey, your strap, your 20 millimeter. Just came in. <laughs> it's, it's finally in. <laughs> it's finally in. Yeah, yeah. you better not flip. <laughs> hey, yeah, go on eBay. They're they're going for triple the price. <laughs> right, Barking Jack straps with all the sweat and the, and the cottage cheese is fine. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Right. We have a question from a fellow content creator, Dale from Mister Ace Productions. Oh, cool. Man. Wants to know yeah. the top two to three tips for growing a YouTube channel. By the way, Adrian, if you haven't checked out Dale's channel, Mr. Ace K Productions. Oh, I do. No, I, I talk to him quite a lot. He's, he's, he's a dude. Yeah, he's, he's a Man, good guy. we had him on the yeah. show. I, I I don't even know how we became friends on Instagram. And he is the reason why I bought, I don't know where it's at, but he's the reason I bought my uh, SPB 143, my Seiko, the one that looks like a 62 yep. MAS that case. He had it, and I saw these amazing pictures, and I'm like, holy crap. So we became friends friends which is interesting he's in australia we had him on the show he's actually a commercial pilot which is super cool and uh yeah i, I he knew you were going to be on the show and i'm like you want me to ask him anything and i know one of the things that we always talk about is growing on youtube and especially him man. i mean his production level is insane so i'm like how do people it's incredible how is your show oh how is your youtube channel not not any bigger and he we, we just can't figure it out you know so he wanted me to ask you you know what what P. Ross said two to three tips for growing on youtube it, it's it, it's tricky because it's so deep um and you're absolutely right you can have killer content but it just doesn't get seen and if you uh, there's a guy called nico i don't know if he's, he's making it over in in the us but he's huge over here oh um, yeah he runs <laughs> we know um, nico all right cool so, so here's pride opinion yeah, yeah. yeah. so here's his content his um his presence is a brilliant case study of how to do social media if you want to grow quickly that's how you do social media is is by jumping on other trends if you're a nobody and you want to get recognized you need to tap into someone who is a somebody and so what he's done is he's made content about big celebrities and so if you google i don't know kanye west uh it might just happen that your video pops up as this is Kanye West's watch collection or what he would say is watch expert reacts to Kanye West's watch expert, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So everyone wants to hear from an expert. And so regardless of whether you are or aren't an expert, it doesn't matter. Have that in your title. And then that people will immediately see you as a person of um, authority within whatever. Uh, and reaction videos are huge and then celebrity videos are huge and so that collection together and also he's very characterful he, he's oh man he's yeah. he's a larger than life guy he's, he's another i've spoken to him a few times he's, he's another cool guy um and so but that's how how you do it if you want to build that kind of audience i admire massively what he's done and i've learned a lot from from his journey of what he's done 
I feel my journey is very different from that because my focus isn't growth. I want to improve quality and I want to understand the algorithm myself. So if you create, if you create interesting content and you're able to shoot good content, you have good audio, but it's just isn't popping off. You have to look at the, um, the kind of factual things about YouTube. So your thumbnail has to be enticing. You have to have your face in the thumbnail. The, the ratio between um, people clicking on a thumbnail and not clicking on a thumbnail is all down to the face and your facial expression really? within it. Yeah, it's, and that's why I have my face in my thumbnails. Mm. I hate it. I spend more time creating the bloody thumbnail than I do sometimes <laughs> just editing the video. I hate having my face in the thumbnail because for me, it's not about me. It's about the watches. And, but by me having my face in the thumbnail, I'm saying, oh, it's about me. And that's, that's not what this <laughs> is about. So I hate that, but I have to do it. The other thing is the title. So within the hierarchy, the thumbnail is the most important thing. Okay. The second important thing is in the title and then the description. But you have to have a short, punchy description that is full of keywords that people are searching. Um, so it's hard to kind of narrow it down to two or three tips. We could have a whole book on this. Um, but there's uh, if you're creating content that you think is great, but it isn't popping off, there's a factual reason why this isn't happening. And it will be down to your thumbnail, down to your title, or down to the searchability of what you're doing, uh, essentially. So what you're saying is just put why Rolex sucks in the title. It should get you a lot see, of views. See, that, that, if, if you did a video, why Rolex sucks with a big surprise face, a really angry face, and maybe a broken Rolex or something, you would that would just kill. My, my first video that um, went uh kind of popped off was how to get a free rolex uh and i remember posting that when i was going on holiday to, to belgium and i got scared at how quickly i got like thirty thousand views in the first like couple of hours of it going live wow. and i was shitting myself like, what what have i done are these is someone paying for views and adding them to my account well, this is just wow. scary this isn't fun mm. um but yeah that's that, that video just went crazy i didn't realize it would go so crazy but that's when you kind of figured out all oh, right so yeah clickbait stuff does actually work <laughs> that's crazy mm. ap ross we need to go re-examine every single one of our videos change yeah. every thumbnail yeah, to sure. make every every uh title very uh the the analysis of what other people do is is crucial if you want to succeed in social media and that's why pride and opinion nico is so fascinating is because it's it is just the perfect concoction of how social media is done more he has brilliant editors editing his videos he has great market he has a great marketing team behind him yeah. creating these titles they everything that he does is strategic and it's it's a brilliant kind of snapshot into how how to do it right and it's yeah. I, I find it absolutely fascinating he's in scotland mm. right he's in, in he, he's in he's in ireland um so he's, he's just over the water from us Got it. Yeah, find that. I don't know if you know about this guy, P. Ross, but Nico. Um, so Nico, along with Anthony and uh, I forget the guy's name from the Gray Market, Gray Market, Timepiece Gentlemen. They're all like friends, and these man, it's a, it's a completely different way what they're doing than what we're doing, right? They they basically are creating uh, like a vlog style video, like an hour long. Yeah. It's almost like watching like a, a, a something on TV. I mean, the way they do it is so interesting, and I, I I've been watching them. I don't know why I'm binging on these things for like an hour, mm. and it's interesting to see the behind the scenes how they buy these crazy expensive watches and trade them and you see their lifestyle and they're traveling they got lamborghinis and you're like that's a cool lifestyle not for me but it's cool to watch you know and it's cool to see that it, it, 
for me personally, watches are very personal and I love them because I'm a watch collector. And that's another thing we could go into how social media affects the way that the watch collectors think, right? You want to go on the hype train. You want what's next. You got fear of missing out, all kinds of weird stuff. But but at the core, at least for me, I can only speak for myself. I love watches for what they are and what they represent. And when I see these guys on, you know, doing their show, whatever, they don't treat watches how we treat watches. They just see dollar signs in out in out i have it i could get it uh what's it it's all about money 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 so from a business perspective it's cool but from a watch collector's perspective it's kind of interesting to see that they're only promoting rms and aps and the expensive rolexes and stuff like mm. that i'm like i wonder if they would ever feature a seiko or a casio i mean nico loves <laughs> casio god tier i i get it it's cool but it's different i mean but it works they're growing so quickly and I, yeah. I, I think their goal is like a million subscribers for all these guys. So we'll see. That'll be that'll be really interesting. So they they, they will most definitely make it because their content, and that's the same with Nico. Uh, to to grow and blow up on on any social media, you need to find a niche, build within that niche, but also yeah. create content around that niche that everyone can look at. Yeah. So coming back to like the Kanye West watch collection, you don't have to be a watch geek to, to watch that video. You could be a Kanye West geek, or you could just be um, a, a pop music geek. It, it doesn't matter. It's so many people will watch that kind of video. Whereas if you go into the, the um, detailed history of the Rolex Submariner, that, that's just going to be watch geeks looking at that. That's not going to yeah. be um popular culture stuff and it's the same with um anthony and roman their content although is around watch dealing it's just business and it's it's luxury lifestyle and so so many right, people right. tap into that and also they're they're jumping on such a an interesting trend of youtube videos have reduced in length massively uh, but now it's kind of bouncing back to long long form content netflix style content where you have a whole series and the interesting thing around their editing is you can jump in and out you don't have to watch all 30 minutes or one hour of a video you can jump in and watch 10 minutes at a time yeah. and that's how they're getting such massive views mm. is that um, they might get one viewer might watch a video in four or five different segments so you're getting five views for that whole video from the one viewer watching it um, but you can because it's not just one long watch review or um one topic it's multiple little topics you can jump in and out so it's, it's really interesting analyzing and kind of looking at what they're doing yeah i know for sure cool. for sure man so we'll, we'll see i mean it's, it's interesting how videos like you said that it went from being short to now super long and they're becoming super popular so but i mean for us it will be difficult to make a long video just because we don't have that kind of lifestyle, right? You have to do more. Yeah. Lifestyle. You have to have something interesting, right? Well, here is my family. No, nobody cares, you know? I, I, I but yeah, I guess, look, at, at the end of the day, just do what you love. And if it grows, great. If it doesn't, then you're doing what you love, you know? So Exactly. Like, and and that has to be the, I guess if that'd be the top tip is, is do what you love. This stuff takes a long time. It takes a lot of work to do it. And you want it to be a hobby. You don't want it to be a job. As soon as it feels like a job, then yeah. it's, it's game over because you're not going to get the returns that you want from this. So you're absolutely right. Make the content that you want to make. If people watch it and enjoy it, game on. If they don't, it doesn't matter. You're just having fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, the, this podcast is a, is a perfect example, right? It hasn't blown up. We're not huge, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I love talking to P. Ross and collaborating with them. And we love talking to people like yourself. And that's the reason why every week 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. I wake up at 6.30 in the morning on the weekends because I have a five-year-old son and he makes a lot of noise. And <laughs> I want it to be as professional as I can. So that's why I wake up early on the weekends. Do I want to wake up early on the weekends? Uh, no, I want to sleep in and I want to be with my wife. But the cool thing is we finished this and it's barely like what, 8, 8.30 in the morning. They're barely mm -hmm. like waking up and it's like I've already been working for <laughs> over an hour. And then I try to edit yeah. and everything when they're kind of not 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 uh when they're they're busy and, and you know I, I try to find time that that family time balance is really difficult adrian and i mean this is coming from a person that has a full-time job you know and i do this youtube this podcast it's just like i don't and i have a spanish channel too so it's like i don't even know how i find time but sometimes <laughs> i do catch myself um not spending enough time with the family and, and then i i look back and i'm like man i'm gonna regret this you know my son is little and when he gets older i'm probably gonna look back and say why didn't i spend more time playing with them as opposed to playing on youtube you know but yeah. that's a different story it's it's, it's tricky it, it is really tricky and it's it's easy to get stuck in the i get stuck in the mindset of but i'm building this for the family yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm building this for me. It's. It's me and my <laughs> ego. It's. It's me and my the chip on my shoulder of people telling me that I'm stupid. I want to prove everyone else wrong. It's, if if it was for the family, I'd go and have a nine to five job and come home and I'd I'd be around for the kids. And so it's it's a real tricky thing to to balance because it ultimately yeah. does take you away from from family time. Uh, but at the same time, I, I want to be able to provide for the family. I want to be able to send the guys to to a good school. I, I want us to be. Uh, to be sorted so it's right on life's hard man <laughs> life's hard yeah. very hard no it is pretty yeah. hard well with that said let me let me ask you i guess we, we've talked about growth and and obviously you introducing your products to your to your website where do you see yourself in five years where where is bark and jack in five years well i haven't thought that far ahead um there will be some sort of watch selling element, whether it's new watches or old watches. There, there, oh, there will nice. be some sort of um, dealership element to the company. Uh, my my biggest passion is uh, is essentially two things, which is why this has happened: is is watches and making content, whether it's photographs or, or videos. So I'd love for there to be a watch selling element, and for there to be a bigger content creation element. I'd love to be able to. I don't know, have watch companies as clients and, and go out and make videos. Uh, what that looks like, I, I don't know. Um, but essentially, it's just what, what we're doing now, but just bigger and having more people involved. I'm a control freak, which is why we haven't got anyone else involved um, up until now. But it's kind of got to the point where uh, I'm throttling the company if, if I have to let go of some of the control if, if we're going to move forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I mean, uh, let's look at, uh, let's take Teddy Baldassar as an example yeah i mean look at the guy <laughs> i mean now it gets a little tricky though and I, i've been wanting to hopefully get that guy on the show and ask him how do you how do you make a watch review of a watch that you're selling because it's almost like hodinky they're reviewing watches they're selling and i don't know how it comes across right because is it really a review or is it more of a commercial now because you're trying to make money off of it you know yeah yeah and it's it it's tricky, but you can also flip the the viewpoint from are they making the video to sell the watch? Yeah, probably. But why are they wanting to sell the watch? They're probably wanting to sell the watch because they think it's a great watch. So Hodinki don't sell all Timexes. They don't sell all Tudors. They, they, they handpick what they want to sell. Um, and this is the model that I, I can't speak for, for Teddy, 
got a lot of love for Teddy. We, we, we chat a good amount. Um, but my viewpoint would be, let's say I became an AD for Oris. I wouldn't sell every single Oris that they do. I'd handpick yeah. what, what, what models they do. I would then in turn make a video about a new Oris that came out. That would, of course, be an advert for the watch because I'd say you can buy this watch over at BarkandJack.com. It, it, it does become murky because actually I don't, I don't think it does become murky. I think it just comes down to how you go about it. I, I don't watch Teddy's uh, video. I don't watch much watch content at all. Um, I don't watch Teddy's video. I, I don't read Houdinki. So I don't know how they go about talking about their products. Um, but I think it's it's just about being clear. If, if you make the viewer aware that you sell this product um, and you put it across too harsher selling, then you're going to lose your viewers. But if you are honest about the watch, um, then I, I, I think there's there's no issue there. But so, uh, the, the, no, sorry, go I'm on. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's 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 all about perception and how you go about it. There, there's a reason there's lots of different watch channels out there, and there's a reason there's lots of different watch blogs because there's different characters and different viewpoints and different ways of engaging with the product. I think yeah. people connect with with me and my channel because. I'm just a normal guy. I'm not trying to be a watch expert. I'm not trying to be a watch guru. I'm just a normal guy that like, like you guys just talking about something that I'm interested in uh, with very little financial return. I, I talk about my straps, but that's, I'm not getting paid by the watch companies. Um, and so, but if you want a more technical viewpoint and perhaps a colder viewpoint, you can go watch Tim Mosso. But then at the same time, Tim is talking about watches that he sells. And so he's always yeah. positive about a watch. Uh, and so it's it, there's different viewpoints from all over the place. Um, I think as long as what you're doing, you're authentic about it, I think you'll carry on going forward. Um, it's when you try and uh, deceive people, that's when things go wrong. Uh, and with Houdinki, they're, they're, or whatever they do, people are going to hate it. They're the biggest. They're, they are the kings of uh, watch blogging. And, and so whatever they do, people are going to be upset about it. Uh, they, they can't win, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So I guess the, the difference would be someone handpicking what they review and they actually like versus just taking on anything that they get, right? Yeah, it, that, that exactly sums it up. Um, and also, when it, you, you guys all know this. When you make a, a video about a watch, let's say, let's just take Oris. Oris launched a new Diver 65. We all do a video on it. We all love it. We all rave about how cool it is, that it's a nice thousand-pound watch that looks absolutely awesome, has a solid movement inside. Uh, we've done all the hard work. Oris reaps all the benefit, or the AD down the road, the, the little watch shop in the mall, they get all the sales because we've all spoken about it. So, yeah. And we're just the dicks who've done all the hard work for Oris. <laughs> so why don't we benefit from it? So I'd, it's easy to criticize Teddy and, and Houdinki for, for what they do, but it's but at the same time it just makes commercial sense that if if they like a product why don't they profit from liking it i think that's better or perhaps the same as getting paid from the watch company i oris could turn around and say agent here's i don't know 20 grand make a video on on the oris diver 65 i could do that or i could just sell the watch and probably make more money than that mm. it's tricky it is really tricky Makes sense. Makes sense. I, I guess at the end of the day with this whole YouTube thing, people need to realize that a lot of time goes into this and we need to be compensated somehow. Now, yeah. I think we all agree that it's wrong if you get something and you personally don't like it, but you're just trying to promote it because you got paid or because you know you're going to get paid. Then that's when yep. it's interesting, you know. So, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, I've been 
we're not big, but we've been offered free product, you know, from from people. And I've turned down a few because it's like it just doesn't align with me. I, I wouldn't personally yeah. wear that or I don't like it. So why would I get it for free or get paid when I don't like it? Like I have a job. I don't <laughs> need to take that thing, you know, um, <laughs> this is pretty there's, a, there's a watch guy. Uh, there's a uh, I, I won't go into too much detail. I'd, I had a, a Zoom call with a guy who, who essentially offered me 300 grand to um, no to yeah to uh to review but advertise their watches um and that's a lot of money man that's that's, that's uh, a ton of money yeah mm. that's, that's hey, that, that'd be a game changer I'll re- I'll <laughs> <laughs> but it's it it got to the point of i, I just couldn't do it. it 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 there would be an amount of money um but it just feels weird it would just feel weird just just what do you let me let me ask you something? What do your wife think about you turning down three hundred thousand? Oh yeah, I haven't told her. She, she she would she would say just do it. What, 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 Hopefully what she doing? doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell her about this. Don't tell her about this. <laughs> but it it, it, it was it, this guy said that that was a conservative conservative commission that I would receive for the video, and I said to him, well, if that's commit, I don't work on commission. I don't like commission. Uh, if if uh, if I'd make 300 grand commission, why don't you just give me an outright payment of a hundred thousand pounds and sorry, dollars, a hundred thousand uh, dollars. And, and I'd make the video. And he said, yeah, okay, we, we, we can do that. If it's just a straight payment rather than commission, I said, I take a hundred thousand dollars. You keep the extra $200,000. I don't need that. You have that. And he, he agreed to that. hundred thousand, 300 is a lot still a hundred thousand dollars that is still a huge amount of money for one video we're talking about we're not talking about a series of videos this is one video Mm. and so it's it's easy to see how people would get sucked into doing fake positive reviews the watch is is dog it's it's not a nice watch it's not something that i'd normally talk about a hundred thousand dollars is is a lot of money still oh i won't do it because it's just not the money isn't a focus for me the fun the funness the authenticity the credibility that is so much more important to me than a hundred thousand dollars and so it's it it's really tricky to to kind of to to navigate through that that murky world and it also i'd on the flip side i would understand if someone turned around and said hey man I've, i've just made a video talking about this dog shit watch but i've made it sound positive because i got paid this much that 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 is a huge amount of money for for anyone it's a lot of money it's hard yeah, a lot of a lot of people in in the world don't make a hundred thousand dollars a year so no exactly let alone for one bloody video <laughs> that's crazy all right man well we talked Very about tempted. a lot of things but we're, we're in the part of the show when we talk about other things i mean it could be watches it could be anything else but this is just us recommending things or us talking about whatever so take it away uh adrian whatever you want to talk about or whatever <laughs> Oh man, that's big. Let's let's talk about. Um, you, you touched on it earlier a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on the whole social media kind of influencing? Uh, not good. Not the, good. The to watch be honest game. with you, not good. To be honest with you, I I fell for that trap with the Q Timex. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I know you love that watch. I I still <laughs> have it. I I haven't sold it just because I know I'm going to take a loss on it, and and it won't be much. It'll be fifty bucks or something. But I'm like, but that's a actually- perfect example of it. That is that is a textbook example of how social media can just create this kind of snowball effect of just everyone saying, Oh yeah, that's great. But it's just based on Instagram shots, right? You you probably didn't try that watch on before you bought it. And because it was cheap, relatively cheap, right? It's it's still money, but it's 
it's comparatively cheap it yeah it was easy for everyone to jump on that bandwagon see that's that's a great example yeah no for sure uh, and, and i mean and and that example is a 179 dollar example but now think about patek think about rolex think about these yeah. watches that are so unattainable and and people just see them on the gram and see them on youtube and then that's what i, I saw the a, a thumbnail somebody put a, a picture on instagram of the new uh op the the tiffany color and the yellow and the whatever and you see the retail like oh six thousand all right that's not that's actually really good but then you see what they're selling for 17 18 i'm like yeah. why who in the right i showed my wife i'm like you want to see something she's like no that's fake nobody who's gonna be paying that and i'm like there's dumbasses out there i'm sorry you, you <laughs> that but there's people out there buying it. It's like, well, who? I'm like, there's people with money. I mean, that's clearly not us, but there's people with a lot of deep pockets out there. Like, they don't yeah. care. They want it and they want it. And it's it's fear of missing out. It's, I want to be cool. I want to get a lot of likes. And I think it's wrong, right? Watch collecting. I would have loved to be a watch collector in the late 80s, early 90s when watches weren't really a thing. I mean, you could pick up some Mariners, probably they will give it to you. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted them, right? But now it's like mm -hmm. you can't even get them anymore. And it's all because of this fake hype, you know, and it's crazy. Yeah. Watches have become I've been collecting for going on seven years and I've definitely seen the progression to where it is now where it's like I really aspire to get a Rolex and not because of the brand but more because i grew up in the 80s seeing that iconic design and i really mm -hmm. wanted one but now the more that i think about it it's like man do i really want a rolex like i don't know i'm not i don't want to overpay for for a rolex i see more value in tutor like a black bay 58 like i might get into that just because i see for three thousand you know dollars pre-owned i see a lot of value there you know what i mean yeah. um I don't know, man. But yeah, social media is just killing, killing watch collecting, in my opinion. P. Ross, what do you think? Actually, I, I really try to stay away from, uh, I look at people's collections and that's what they do. You know what I mean? And I try to mm -hmm. stay away from what other people do. But like with the Timex thing, right? I think the Q Timex, I thought it was great. But uh, I think what, what happened with the Q Timex was Timex had such a, uh, recently a great run of releasing good watches like they brought back the marlin um i know the uh falcon is one that don't nobody really like but a lot of people really like the, the falcon you know what i mean um and then they had a couple new automatics that came out i think they had one uh with a green dial what was the the navi uh was that the name of it right and then yeah, they introduced so, the automatic series. Well, right. here's here's a message to Timex. I think you're you're using that Q Timex case design a little too much. Maybe right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, like, yeah. maybe maybe let's change it up. I mean, like, you got some yeah. the Marlin. You got so many cool heritage right. pieces, and maybe yeah. maybe maybe it's time to kind of <laughs> let the the Q Timex die. It's like remember bit. the Q Batman. Remember we reported on yeah. that. You, you know what I'm saying? And then nobody believed it. Like, but then it came. You know what I yeah. mean? But. But yeah, I try to stay away from like if I look at someone's Instagram, that's them. They doing what they like. I'm gonna do what I like. You know what I mean? Because when you get caught up in the hype and all that, you kind of want what everybody else got. And I don't really want what everybody else got. I kind of want what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. But you're very unique in the sense yeah. that most of the people are sheep. It's true. 
mm-hmm. right? Right. They see what right. Every, uh, everybody else is rocking, right. and they and they want that. They want to. But be ain't cool. that that's where misery come in? At, where people get miserable and yeah, because they can't have what somebody else got. Nah, I'm happy with what I got. So it's good mindset. Good mindset. Yeah, no, absolutely. it don't work all the time, but more than half it does. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, and you I know, know I'm that- still human. I know that this this community with like um, I think uh, clothes and um, shoes is worse than watches, right? P. Ross, like the yeah, 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 the yeah, new Yeezys and the new Jordans, yeah, and yeah. kids getting in line yeah. and killing each other for right. this. That, that's right. probably even worse. Going flight club, pay thousands of dollars for sneakers. I'm like, no. Well, how do you think they view us, the watch people? You guys are stupid. How much are you paying for that? <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. That's ridiculous. You pay three hundred dollars for a watch. What? That's a lot. Two hundred for a watch? Whew. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something, Adrian. So I know you're I'm making an assumption. You 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 like Seiko? I don't know if you love Seiko. What are your perceptions on Seiko normalizing in their price? I don't want to say moving up market because we had Mark from Long Island Watch and he told us it's not. they're not increasing their prices. They're normalizing their prices. They're trying to get the great dealers out. What is your perception on that about Seiko selling for a little bit more? Yeah, it's tricky. And I, I, I think the community is is a reason for it happening. A lot of things like that. The, uh, the SKX. I bought my first SKX for I think about ninety pounds or something, and they they go for about two seventy now or something crazy no, like that. More, more like it's, oh really? Yeah. Oh man, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, so and 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 also they're they're launching, or they have launched Grand Seiko grade watches just with the name Seiko and their Grand Seiko prices. So it it feels yeah. really quite weird. They've separated Grand Seiko from Seiko officially separated them, right? Uh, but then it feels like Seiko are like, oh, right, so we no longer have a premium watch model. So let's create a premium watch model. So it's like they've separated Grand Seiko from Seiko, but now they've just made Seikos that are Grand Seikos just without the name. And so that, that whole side of it just feels really quite odd. Um, I have no concern about Grand Seiko upping their prices or, or launching watches which cost uh the, the same as jlc because I, I think they are worth it the, the build quality the attention to detail the mechanics they're killing it with with their models so it kind of just makes sense that they're doing that but with the straight seikos i kind of think that they need to be careful because they they are we're all fond of them or the majority of the community are fond of seiko because they're the brand where you get an awesome watch that's got heritage we know the bezel's not going to align. We know the chapter rings are going to be a bit off, but you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. If they start playing around the prices too much, they're just going to be overpriced for what you get uh, as opposed to being a, a, a bargain. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a particularly, I'm, I'm a Seiko um, expert. I do like what they do. I guess kind of mainly Grand Seiko, but um yeah got a lot of time for them but they just need to be careful that they they don't mess it up yeah we love seiko so yeah seiko don't mess it up (laughs) all right guys well adrian where can people find you i mean it's kind of i know i think everybody knows where to find you but do you want to plug your stuff uh just uh at bark and jack on everything instagram youtube bark and jack.com um i think that's it yeah very thanks so much for having me oh thank you so much for coming on where can people find you Ross wristwatch love everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, check out SoCal Watch Reviews podcast, Facebook page. 
balling out of control. Cool. Out cool. of control. <laughs> well, you can find me SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube and Instagram. And Relojeando is my Spanish channel on YouTube. Do the same thing as the English one. I just speak Spanish. So, and my mom is a fan. She subscribes to the channel. My sister too. So, uh, I just wanted to say it. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. But uh, she's still telling me. She's like, I didn't like the other. I called her this week. She's like. I, you know that video you put out? I'm like, yeah, I didn't like what that guy said. The way that he said it, he what he seemed kind of, kind of like he didn't like you or something. I was like, mom, that's the internet. It's just the way it is. What mm. it is. And, and, and <laughs> what I'm was not it even a comment? Big, so what was the comment? It was people in in the Hispanic world, man. I mean, number one, the messages they leave are super long. It's like an essay. Like they're writing. I don't know why, but everything's like super long, and they disagree with everything, right? Like. <sighs> No, uh, you clearly, it was a guy telling me, I'm sorry, my friend, that wasn't a review. That was a commercial for the company because you got it for free. And I was like, great, here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. Another one, um, you were, uh, you, you you said some things in English. So if you're going to do Spanish reviews, don't use English. I'm like, oh God, okay, here we go. You know, it's mm -hmm. things like that that just nitpick everything. And the English ones are yeah. less harsh, but the Spanish community, man, woo, they want to crucify me. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That sounds hard, man. But uh, anyway, well, everybody, uh, thank you so much for listening, for watching. Adrian, thank you so much for, for the collaboration. We really do appreciate it. And uh, Oh, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we yes, look forward to having you on, uh, hopefully, in the future. When you're at 200, 300,000 subscribers, you will get there in no time. So, Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Stay humble.